This is Sandy Clough and Chandro Tar on Mile High Sports. Wilson in trouble, avoids it, rifles, intercepted, Jimmy Ward. That, of course, on the call from CBS. And Welcome Ian to the Eagle, show. Who yes. I, I think is the most underrated play-by-play man. I like him. Uh, certainly on football. And I think on college basketball as well, really he will be succeeding Jim Nance as the number one CBS uh, college basketball play-by-play man this year uh, in the NCAA basketball tournament. And he on football, I think, is uh, uh, as good as there is. I, I really believe that, and I have great respect for Tariko and for, for Nance. Uh, I have respect for you know the, the Burkhardt, I guess, on Fox, Joe Buck on ESPN, all the rest, but uh, he's he, he's underrated. He is terrific. He's as good and as it's anybody. a sign of how important the game yes, was exactly. that he was on it with uh, uh, Charles Davis, another one of my favorites. I, I think Davis. Charles Davis is is terrific. He used to be uh, in another broadcast life, a regular weekly guest, and I have always thought of him as being extremely well-informed, uh, certainly prepared for coming on a Denver radio station and uh, offered insight born out of uh, – preparation and i thought he was well prepared yesterday uh they don't do a lot of bronco games i don't think they've done any this year previously not that i can remember ian eagle and charles davis and uh i thought they were terrific uh, cd uh, very familiar to all those millions that play madden football as well he's the uh the color guy for that as as well thousands and thousands he, of he's he's there. an underrated analyst really paired good. with an underrated play-by-play man the point you made, Sandy, is that this was high-profile game, and it was yeah, a high-profile game because it had a lot of importance to the playoffs. The funny thing is, for the Broncos, some of the things that we talked about on Friday did break their way. Now, the Rams beat the Browns. That was going to be valuable. The uh, Titans could not quite get past the Colts. That did not help, but the Cardinals beat the Steelers, which helps. Uh, uh, marginally. marginally. It, it helps uh, in terms of Pittsburgh it, going back to 7-5, and five, but it's not a tiebreaker game. Because it's an NFC opponent. What it boils down is to this. Before the game, before the, the Broncos had a one in three chance of making the playoffs. Before the game. Before the game. The funny thing is, it, it didn't actually change that much. And if the Broncos win against the Chargers, they'll stay at about one in three. However, this makes a must win. Because if they lose against the Chargers, it they're, goes from one in three. They're conceivably back in last to place. 9%. In other well, words, they're back in last place. You know, you're, if you're, you're at yeah. last place at this time of the year, you're dead. So, And I think, uh, you know, it depends on the model you're looking at. Austin Mock of the Athletic gives them a 1 in 10 chance. So, yeah. it, 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 and, and says Denver yesterday hurt itself by losing more than any, any, other, team any other team that lost in the NFL in week 13 with the exception of Pittsburgh, Seattle, New Orleans, and Cleveland. Their playoff chances dropped by a greater percentage than Denver's did. But when you lose roughly what you had going into the game, you lose half of that percentage chance yeah. to make the playoffs in one game with one loss. This was That's a, a killer. Game. And the other killer is three and five in the conference. Yes. I, I'm sorry. Uh, you're going to have to be a lot better than that. And you cannot lose another conference game, which means the worst case scenario for the Broncos have to win four or five. Making the playoffs is winning four out have of five, to. but they have to be 
four. The only game out of you four can lose in the is AFC. Detroit. Right. The that's only game, the, the only game you can lose is Detroit because that won't hurt you in tiebreakers. That's the only one, and that's where the Broncos find themselves. Now, uh, the Chargers didn't cover themselves in glory with their 6-0 win over the Patriots. No, but, but they did win. They won. And that is a conference win. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the Broncos get New England, too. So, right. you know, let's see what the Broncos managed to do. I would be shocked if, especially at home, the Broncos didn't Sean Payton beat the Patriots convincingly, but that... That's the game that shows up. New England has to play somebody every week, and right. every time New England plays an AFC team these days, it seems to be an automatic loss, and that helps everybody else. Sean Payton called the game sloppy, saying, I thought we were sloppy most of the time. All the things we've been good about, the takeaways, giveaways, that script flipped. That sounds right, because that's That's, that's where exactly want, what happened. That's, that's an excellent explanation. Because, obviously, you had Russell Wilson with three interceptions, hadn't had any in literally well over a month. Had three interceptions, uh, the, the last one you heard there on that In highlight. 16 minutes, too. The last 16 minutes of the game. Let's put that into perspective. That's worth Almost that. five and three-quarters games with zero interceptions, and then in 16 minutes, he throws three. Three. And you know what? Of the three, the last one was the most excusable. Uh, I agree. I, I, I look at the last one. And, and the think- second one was the most inexcusable. Uh, I mean, it's a touchdown if he throws it's, it. It's a touchdown. And there were twice this game, twice, once to Mims and once to Cortland Sutton, where, and I'm not going to bury Russell Wilson, but we're going to do what we do here. We're going to shoot you straight. Russell Wilson has lost a little bit of arm strength on the deep ball. Yes. And it cost them badly twice. One was the interception yep. because it gave Stingley time to come grab it. And that was a great play by him. He's a terrific player. Had two picks. And he's been great. He didn't just start And it didn't end up being a yesterday. pick, but he had Marvin Mims as well yeah. early in the game and couldn't right. quite get it there. Yeah. And that's the reality here. Uh, Russell Wilson, four years ago, those were two touchdowns. Probably. With, with Probably. Mims and, and yeah. Sutton. Now they're not. And it definitely makes you look at the limitations of what Wilson has. He has been generally very efficient in the red zone. And even the statistics because of what changed on Sunday aren't going to change that. He still had a pretty good year in the red zone. But you understand now that that deep ball is not what it used to be. And if we see it, believe me, every defensive coordinator and every player in the league sees it. That's the ball a just hangs in the air a little longer. Uh, he doesn't have quite the zip. Um, you know, there are times, particularly at the end of the game, where he was uh, – you know, throwing into tight windows and throwing it, the more zip he put on it, the more inaccurate he became. Um, it, it, it's it's difficult, and it, this has been a tough year for quarterbacks. And to his credit, he's in the minority among quarterbacks who have been better this year than last. Yeah, and, that's so a, that's a good okay. Point. That's that works in his favor, but you know, you're talking about the top guys. Um, you know, he isn't even close to Purdy and Prescott. No. And though he outplayed him in the head-to-head game, Josh Allen, uh, Tua, Hurts, C.J. Stroud's in there, Mahomes. Uh, Lamar Jackson's stats aren't a lot better than Wilson's, but his team is 9-3. and three. Right. And he's had something to do with that. Now, I think the two leading candidates after what we saw in week 13, and I know there's still one game to go, but Trevor Lawrence isn't an MVP and Burrow is out for Cincinnati. Right. Far and away, to me, the two leading MVP candidates are Purdy and Prescott right now. 
Let me Purdy throw one more in and there. Prescott. And one more in there, and I think we saw it again. Although I, un- I understand that now the MVP is essentially like the Heisman Trophy. It is a quarterback's award. I understand that. But Tyreek Hill's got to be somewhere. Yeah, I agree. And I, I take, these, I take Tyreek Hill over to it. Okay. Yes, no, Tyreek Hill would is, be my guy. The problem is, in that scenario, you have a quarterback who is not the MVP of the league, but he's had a very good year in, throwing in part, to yeah. a dependent position player. And yes, I think Hill is more valuable than Tua, but as Florida State found out this weekend, <laughs> we'll if you lose later. your quarterback, you're not the same team. I'm sorry, you can argue every which way but loose, and we'll talk more about the whole uh, decision by the committee uh, a little bit later on in the program. But, you know, if Miami lost Tua and Miami lost Hill, I, I think they'd be equally damaged, not because Tua is having a better year than Hill, but because Tua plays a more important position. But Tyreek Hill, get this. Is, is but Hill, I, I agree with you 100%. He's going to have, in my opinion, he's averaging almost 123.5 receiving yards per game. per game. He's going to have a 2,000-yard yep, season. Which is what he said he was going to do prior to the no year. no one has ever had before in the history of receiving in the NFL. He has had already in his career five 1,000-yard seasons. And when I say 1,000, the lowest of those is 1,183. He has, at this point, 1,481 yards, that's the second best season of his career. He has 12 touchdowns. The best he's ever had is 15 with Patrick Mahomes in 2020. He Hill has, would be number three for me. I agree with you. 93 catches. Hill would be number and he has three for five me. more games. He's about to yeah. basically do something he's unprecedented. He's by far the best player but, in his position, and you can't say that Purdy award. or even Prescott is far and away the best player at his no. position because you got the other guy, first of all, and then you've got a bunch of other guys who are behind them, but right. not all that and far behind And this year, there's Tyreek Hill and everyone else. Yeah. It's just at, at the wide receiver position, there's no, there's no other non-quarterback. And that's on a 9-3 and There's team. no other non-quarterback so who's I, I even he, in the running He should be in the mix. Yeah, he, should he should be under consideration, he won't but get some it, people will say to a and that'll yeah, probably take just become some votes a quarterback away. award. Yeah. But speaking of receivers here, the, the Broncos, who had had a good luck against the past, Tank Dell goes out with the ankle injury, which, by the way, will keep him up for the year. Bad uh, break. Broken for the very leg. talented rookie. Broken leg. Yeah. yeah. Uh, despite that, it doesn't stop anything that Nico Collins does. He goes for nine oh. catches on 12 targets, 191 yards. That, that, that's got to be. And a touchdown. And the Broncos knew. One of the top receiving games ever played against the Broncos. Ever. Brevin Jordan. Nine They're for 191 and a touchdown. Backup tight end. Brevin Jordan, who backed yeah. up because Dalton Schultz was unavailable for right. this game. Brevin Jordan had three catches for 64 yards. Had a nice game. Yeah. Nobody nice else game. on the team had one catch. In other words, realistically. Well, had more than one. Had more than one. C.J. Stroud had one, one downfield legitimate target. Yeah. One. And, it, was, and the Broncos knew it. Oh. And the Broncos well, couldn't stop it. Couldn't stop it. And, you know, Satan missed nine plays. But I'm thinking when Dell goes out, he's out for good. Satan goes out, he misses nine plays, right. then he's back, and they can't cover this guy deep down the field. And, and, I mean, and he's, again, he's a very I don't good know receiver. what their don't get me wrong, game but when, plan you, when was, everybody knows if you, the only guy to but, throw but to. But explain to me how you can have Satan and Dell goes out and Collins goes off anyway. 
and probably has a better game than he would have had if Dell had remained in the game, right? Uh, yeah. Maybe. One would think. Uh, now, I understand at the beginning of the game, Satan was on Dell. And so maybe that was kind of a wash, even though Satan came back in the game and Dell didn't. Um, but I, I yesterday I wondered about the defensive game plan. I really did. Yeah. I, I thought the Broncos' coverage was leaky. Um, it wasn't Miami-like by any means, but it was a little like the game against the Chicago Bears where Justin Fields seemed to be making an unusual number of big plays. Yeah. And listen, C.J. Stroud is a marvel, but he is not the most accurate passer in the world, and they made him look, uh, I thought in some instances, they made him look better that's the, the, he the was fifth yesterday. game yesterday, uh, yesterday with a receiver that the Broncos have allowed over 128 yards and the third over 150. Of course, over I, I'd like to go back in the record books and see how many receivers have caught more DJ than 191 yeah. yards in a game. Tyreek Hill, we talked about 157 uh, in that blowout. Travis well, Kelsey, yeah, 182. Not, not 191. And 191 by Collins, the biggest. Yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll see what I can find that against the, the. I mean, I'm going back through the years, and I can't think of. A receiver. I didn't think of running backs having big games against Denver. Dickerson, uh, Corey Dillon. Yeah, Cincinnati one one Sunday in Cincinnati. I remember that. I I remember those. I don't remember. I remember uh, the the Kittle game against Denver a few years back. Touchdowns. Yeah. When their quarterbacks were all hurt, which thankfully this year has not been the case. And I'll tell you what. Um. I liked Philadelphia yesterday, but it was very shaky-like. And I, I liked them more with the points, and they liked them straight up. It didn't matter how many points they got yesterday because they got shellacked on their home field. And for the first quarter to quarter and a half, 49ers weren't doing anything, right? right. First three or four possessions. They are, as currently constituted, the best team in the league. And I know yes. it's December oh, yes. – but I start paying attention to the way teams play between Thanksgiving and Christmas as an indicator of how they'll play in a postseason. Uh, I don't pay as much attention before Thanksgiving. Teams have their ups and downs. And the 49ers certainly had a period there. Didn't they lose three in a row at one point? Mm-hmm. Uh, when they had injuries, when Trent Williams was out and Debo Samuel was out and McCaffrey was hurting, although amazingly, McCaffrey has played 25 games for the 49ers. He has not missed a game. Even though he got hurt oh, earlier this year, he's not missed a game. Look what you just did. Knock on well, everything. No, I mean, he's he was hurting, and he <laughs> no, plays. No. He plays. And you know what? Kyle Shanahan uses him brilliantly. And yesterday, he was good, but their most valuable offensive players yesterday were the quarterback, Kittle, Ayuk, Samuel, and maybe even uh, the big guy, number 15, the big receiver who caught the – Oh, Juwan Jennings. Jennings. Yeah. yeah. Um, but, but, I mean, McCaffrey was – and the way they they, – they, first of all, they run to their left better than any other team because they've got Trent Williams out of left tackle. And they're so smart. They get Juszczyk and Kittle and Trent Williams in front of McCaffrey – I gonna stop that? It's it's how are you gonna stop clearly that? The best. They're three outstanding blockers. Yeah, I think Kittle's the best blocking tight end in the league, bar none, and that's why I think that's his edge on Kelsey. In in my opinion, 
When it, now, Kelsey's more durable. Kelsey's more durable than Kittle is. Kittle's had some injury problems here and there through the years. But Kelsey uh, is not the blocker Kittle is. Nobody blocks like Trent Williams does. He's a Hall of Famer, hands down. Uh, he's been even greater with the 49ers than he was with Washington. He was good with Washington. And and then you, <laughs> you've got Juszczyk, who is the best fullback in the game and never carries the ball. Nico Collins, the ball. by the way, that's the ninth most receiving yards in a single game against the against Denver Broncos. Yeah. Uh, but when you're wow. talking about someone to go back, uh, Warren Wells, 198 in 1970 for the Raiders. Torrance mm-hmm. Small in 1994 for the Saints with an even 200. James okay. Lofton for the Packers in 84 with 206. It's Stephon long, Page, I remember this. Ago. Stephon Page, the, 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 1990, the Chiefs, 206. Yeah. Uh, George Kittle, 210, that, uh, 210 in, yeah. in 2018. Right. Right. Uh, but almost all of that came in the first half. Right. Hall of Famer Lance Allworth back in 1965, yeah. AFL right. days, yeah. 211. And also that same season for the Broncos. Curtis, Those are AFL. Yeah, Curtis yeah. McClinton of the Chiefs has the all-time record against the Broncos with 213 yards in that game. Receiving. Receiving. He was a running back. In that game, he's the only one in the top 10 who didn't catch a touchdown in that game. There you go. The only one. But but a lot of those were AFL years yeah. or 30 or more and years back. And McClinton chewed right? him up because that 213 was on five the, the only recent one was the Kittle game, which I right. did remember. Kittle but, and but otherwise you're going back to the 90s. For a wide receiver against the Broncos, I think that was as good a game as I've seen, and a game of consequence. The Broncos in the AFL did not play games of consequence. Correct. They were the worst team in the AFL for a decade. The decade-long existence of the AFL, there was no one worse than the Broncos. Yeah, because until then, you're going back to 1994 for any wide receiver to to knock that off. Yeah. I and mean, that's, you know, I, I yikes. It, the Broncos did not make the playoffs that year. I don't think they had too many games of great consequence. That was Wade Phillips' last Season as a head coach, but just when you feel good about years, this defense, right? They give right, up, they give up a right, top ten in their history and, performance, and they give it up to a guy who's the only guy, other than Jordan at times, who hurt them yesterday. But the all of Jordan's routes were underneath. The, the only yeah. person you were worried about down the field was was yeah. Collins, and so yeah. that's frustrating. We'll of course talk about this as the show goes along. It's your well, the show. The Broncos beat themselves as well. They did. They, so they, they did. did. They, I mean, I don't know if they were the worst team on the field, but they did not play the best. Well, that's yeah. for sure. They were minus three on turnovers. Uh, got down thirteen to nothing and zero for eleven on third downs. Uh, when you go zero for ten or more third downs, right. you're going to lose. You're going to lose. You're going to lose. And uh, you know, you say, well. There were probably a lot of third and longs. No. Uh, third and seven or longer, four times. Third and six or less, seven times out of those 11. You got to pick those up. But, a few of them. You, you can't go over. So how do the Broncos get better? This is your program as well. 303-831-1340 is the number. We'll talk about how they regroup. It is a... Uh, going to feel like a very short week before they head to L.A. to take on the Chargers in what will really be a, it's not make or break because you can't make anything with a win, but you sure can break your oh, playoff chances they, they, with a broken. loss. It is a must win. How do they regroup? We'll talk about it next on Miley Sports.
Sandy Clough and Chandro Tar, presented by Superbook Sports. Download the Superbook app and start winning today at Superbook.com. Here's Sean and Sandy. Yeah, I, look, I think there's probably a combination of two or three things. I think it starts with protection. Uh, I think the communication's got to be on point. Um, we finished the game yesterday. The last play of the game, we leave a shift off. And so at the snap of the ball, you have three receivers that are trying to run a route, but they haven't shifted into their final formation. So my experience has always been it's the details. um, It's the little things, and, and those things have to be better. That, of course, is Broncos head coach Sean Payton on his weekly Zoom call today. Uh, nothing to argue about that there, with the exception of let's talk about that late, that, that last play, the late game clock management. Now, I know the announcers that we just talked them up um, were sort of freaking out about the late game management. I thought the obvious plan was to not let Stroud have any time left because the Broncos score a touchdown, they'd be up by one. I didn't have a problem with that, except, again, late in the game, whether they got the plays in late or whatever, but they looked discombobulated. Absolutely. The, the, the I, I wish the announcers play, had made that point yeah. a little more emphatically. Earlier in the drive, they the third down play that Russell Wilson rolled out to the, it wouldn't, I, I, I said that on my social media, Estrotar, if you're curious, I, I, it wouldn't have worked on a whiteboard. I mean, Russell Wilson just rolled out and immediately got smashed. And uh, then, then the last play of the game, again, a, a lot of what he mentioned, uh, offensive line, Looks quite frankly like the game is against Cleveland was an aberration. As a good blip, as Foles and McGlinchey were against they Cleveland, were they were bad yesterday. Abysmal. They looked like traffic cones. And uh, McGlinchey against Will Anderson was a complete mismatch. Will Anderson killed. Far him. too many times did either of the guys running around the outside simply run around either Bowles or McGlinchey. So the pass protection was bad. But again, I look at it and think, what are the challenges still of getting all these guys on the same page? I mean, Sandy, this was the 12th game of the year. And I understand you have a new new quarterback. I mean, yeah, well, you have a new coach working with his new quarterback. You have a quarterback working on a new system. I get all of that. But it's the 12th game of the year. Why are there still issues getting this offense into the places that Sean Payton yeah. wants them to get to? They're just not very good. I, I, I think, and, you know, at the Broncos in – what I would consider to be a relatively weak NFL this year. And and I say that not because there are a lot more bad teams than usual. But there's not and a lot there, of dominant teams. There are a lot more teams. mediocre teams yeah, there's a few, than usual. A dominant teams. Um, let's, look, let's just look at the AFC. Uh, Miami's better than it was last year. Baltimore's better and healthier than it was last year. Uh, Jacksonville has throughout the year been more consistent than it was last year. Uh, from that point on down, I just named three teams out of 16 in the AFC. I don't know. Uh, I guess Cleveland's better, maybe Indy. But Houston, I mean, I, de- Houston definitely, but for the most part, teams are, are, are kind of the same. I'll go Denver's further than better. that. I'll go but further than Buffalo's that. Buffalo's way down. Cincinnati's teams, way down. Give me a sec. How many teams do you think, realistically, out of the AFC? And you're saying realistic. Chargers. Could down. you envision being in the Super Bowl? I can envision the Chiefs and the Ravens and maybe the Dolphins. Maybe the and Dolphins. that's it. That's it. 
And the Dolphins have not yet. The Dolphins, I, I, I put them as a maybe. Maybe. But the Dolphins have not yet beaten a good And team. I can't envision any of the other teams in the AFC representing the, representing the, the conference in right. the Super Bowl. Right. To me, this is the Chiefs and the Ravens unless something weird happens. And that's yeah, it. And you know what? The Chiefs are going to have to play on the road in the playoffs for the first time in the Mahomes era. And, and they're, over they're, in the they're NFC, have to travel in the playoffs. I look at the game we saw. I see the Eagles and I see the Niners. With all respect to the Cowboys and the Lions, no. I think it's the Eagles and the, the Niners. Well, maybe. I, I think Dallas gets another bite at the apple. Now they get a chance on they Sunday get, when, they get when they get Philadelphia Philly. down in Arlington. Yes. That would, they they that's get a huge they game. get their chance, and if they win and that by the game way, and win the division, uh, boy, it's going to be close between Prescott and Purdy for MVP. They have the league's best record at home. The Cowboys do six and zero. Oh. Yeah, uh, but but I just you, there's not a lot of when you say sort of weaker NFL. I agree because not only do I look at yeah, there's a lot of there's some bad there's teams. just a lot of mediocre. But there's teams. not a lot of dominant teams. No, and, no. And then you look at that's it, right. they're like, uh, what's the difference in all honesty? Uh, between the Texans, who the Broncos could probably look in the mirror on on their flight home and say we should have beaten those guys. Well, and what's the difference between the the Texans and the Steelers and the Browns, the and the Colts? But no, but I mean, the, but the team isn't demonstrably better. It, it's just there's a big mushy middle. But but, but uh, yes, no, I, I'm I'm not I'm not disagreeing with you. I don't think Houston is any kind of juggernaut. But D'Amico Ryan says the most improved team in the league. He's the coach of the year, hands down. And the rookie of the year, hands down, well, that's, is yeah, that's Stroud. Really Stroud. Okay, so uh, and, and I'll tell you what, they, Ryan's background is primarily as a defensive coach. Sure, and their defense is greater than the sum of its parts. That's a great observation. And it, it, Will Anderson makes it that way, and uh, uh, the other edge rusher, Jonathan Greenard, mm-hmm. I believe, who. Kick Bull's butt yesterday. He was all over uh, the field. You know, he and Anderson were all over the place. And, of course, Stingley's a great story. He's a nephew, of course, of mm-hmm. Daryl Stingley. who was paralyzed at Thanksgiving on one of the pregames. I think it was on NBC. They did a very nice piece on the Stingley-Madden family connection. Right. And, of course, uh, Daryl Stingley's passed away. John Madden's passed away. But the, the sons have gotten very close. I believe Mike Madden, uh, John Madden's son, and uh, uh, Derek Stingley Sr. uh, have become very close. They're relatively close in age and and so on. But the nephew is the football star. And he's a ball hawk. Boy, can he play. (laughs) He he, he uh, he could find that ball in the air. I'm not saying he's better than Sertan, but I do think that cornerbacks who make plays and have a nose for the ball, you know, and I, I understand people don't throw at Sertan as much, but I don't think they're looking to throw at Stingley. People didn't throw at Champ Bailey either. all that much either. And he still came away he got with a the ball. ton of interceptions. A lot but of interceptions. You know what? People would, I, I will give Sertan this. I have heard more people say, let's not throw in his direction than I heard say, let's not throw in Champ Bailey's direction. Mm-hmm. I didn't think it made a lot of sense with Champ. <laughs> no. Uh, uh, it, it made sense with Louis Wright, even though Louis Wright couldn't catch a cold. It, it, the only hole in Louis Wright's game was that he had bad hands. Uh, 
Champ Bailey did not have bad hands. In uh, fact, no. Champ Bailey had better hands than any other defensive back, including Deion Sanders in the history of the NFL. And he may have Champ been the best Bailey really could play wide as receiver. a cornerback. Yes, he really could have played wide receiver. Deion could not have played in the way Travis Hunter, Hunter plays. plays. Yeah. Now, no. it, it, see you and no. De- I think Deion deep down knows. I think he knows that knows too. that too. Sure, but it, it, listen. Uh, I, it, Houston's such a feel-good story. I mean, how can you dislike him? And it, it, yesterday, I, I I was heartened. The the old timer in me loves rivalries. I mean, legitimate rivalries where you know there is genuine dislike. Forty mm-hmm. ers and Eagles stole the show yesterday, even though they aren't in the same division. That's more of a rivalry than Philadelphia Dallas, to me. Because Philadelphia genuinely, in the coaches. Well, let's be honest. Right? They hate each Rivalries other. are born in the postseason. Rivalries generally are born in the postseason. Well, when the games really matter. Yes, and this one has a different sort of twist because although the 49ers aren't known for talking smack, the one thing they have said since losing in Philadelphia in the NFC Championship game last year the one thing they have said was it would have been nice to have a functioning quarterback. Yeah. For more than just a few minutes in that game before Brock Purdy got hurt. And they ended up playing Christian McCaffrey, a quarterback, because they ran out of quarterbacks. And that's why you have the rule this year that allows teams to dress three. If first two get hurt, you can go to the third. San Francisco's been talking a lot of smack. Backed it up yesterday. Yeah. A lot of smack. And the whole thing that happened yesterday on the sideline ticked off both coaches to the point where I I don't even coaches care more, uh, care much for each other either. And that's a real rivalry. There's nothing in the AFC like it and nothing else in the NFC like it where there's genuine dislike. Philadelphia and Dallas, they get along. You know, yeah, it's a rivalry game on Sunday night because two teams are good. They're they're very close, one to the other. But there isn't genuine dislike between the two. And the the other old-time rivalries aren't any good because they're so one-sided. Philadelphia and San Francisco might be the two best teams in football, and they hate each other. With a passion, and I love that. Well, the Broncos. And I wish the Broncos could develop don't something like hate that. the Chargers. There's never no, been like a don't. really intense rivalry no. with the Chargers, but there needs to be an important performance. And there are a couple things to look at. The offensive line is a concern. I think the fact that Nico Collins, despite the fact that that he really was the only downfield target, still being able to do whatever he wanted on the touchdown that he caught, he was alone in the end zone. Alone in the end zone. No one was even on him. So the pass defense fell apart. The uh, the pass blocking fell apart. Russell Wilson came crashing back down to earth. Uh, everything went wrong there. And even remember, by the way, in a five-point game, a stunningly foolish uh, penalty by Alex Singleton earlier oh, in the game absolutely. on fourth and absolutely. two in which the Broncos were ab- about to find themselves in a position where they were going to settle for a field goal. Well, it cost them four points. It cost them four points. At least. In a five-point game. Yeah. I mean, the Broncos could have been kicking a field goal instead of going to the having to go to the end zone. A foolish 
And in the moment, I don't know any other way to describe it. I don't really, you know, like a, a selfish play by Alex well, Singleton. I agree with you. Who, wanted to, who kind of wanted to get his. All these guys, and, and like and Alex Singleton, talk about how great team guys they are. They what play frustrated hard all the time. me, Sandy, with this was they're this. Not. It, they're not. He's selfish. There are guys, when they when they go back to the huddle and they make a mistake and they, it costs their team, you know. Kareem Jackson, selfish. They're, they're tapping their, their guys and they're like, that's on me. That's my fault. That's my fault. Uh, you know, I messed it up. Uh, Singleton is looking up at the at the instant replay and laughing. He's not talking. The, the camera stayed on him almost the whole time. He's not talking to other guys. He's just kind of laughing that's it off. Why? For me. For me. That that's it's that's a selfish. It's hard play. to take the Broncos seriously when guys like Alex Singleton and Kareem Jackson are playing a hundred percent of the snaps. The only time Jackson does it is when he gets suspended, and that's been for a lot of games now this year. Houston and has we'll to, yeah. continue to miss games. And Alex Singleton, who's celebrated as some kind of uh, uh, new-age Dick Butkus because he makes a lot of tackles eight or nine yards downfield, uh, commits a penalty that wasn't going to get him thrown out of the game, but on the stupidity scale... Could have gotten him thrown out of the game if there was a rule against abject stupidity. He'd have been thrown out. Abject stupidity. And it, Kisla was right in the post today. Stroud played him like a Stradivarius. Yep. And you saw Stroud chuckle as soon as he saw the flags come in and nod. He knew. And he also knew the rule, yep. which I guarantee Singleton, who ain't the sharpest knife in the drawer to begin with, Singleton had no idea. Singleton figured offsetting penalties, no harm done. Yeah, but off a false and start. And Stroud knew the rule yep. that the personal foul would supersede the false start. So one guy's smart and knows the rules. The other guy is the most overrated player in the league, at least on the defensive side of the ball. And the Broncos have a few overrated players, more than Singleton, but they don't have... Patrick Sertan wouldn't do something like that. Justin Simmons wouldn't do something like that. Uh, you know, heck, uh, McMillan and Moreau, who were exposed a little yeah. bit yesterday, they wouldn't do something stupid like that. But Alex Singleton, he, he'd be right up there with Kareem Jackson if I had to list guys who, when they're active, are likely to do stupid Just things. Just think on about field. that because Those if they have to settle, if Singleton doesn't get that penalty, they're kicking a, f- kicking a field goal instead of getting the touchdown. Now the Texans end up with 18 points. The Broncos' final game play of their offensive series, Russell Wilson took that pick with that ball at the Houston 8. Will Lutz, who came up, by the way, being the special teams player of the month, would have been up for a 25-yard field goal to win the game. Yeah. Now, of course, we're I know a lot Perhaps of the things in the game some could have happened. It, the, the rest of the game might not have played out. But the that way would have, but that but, would have been four points fewer. Yes, of course. And of maybe course. they would have scored it, another you're time. You're right to highlight it. You're right to highlight. And you look it. at it. And, well, the rest of the game happened. It did. But if that doesn't happen, then the entire game goes differently. The entire game goes differently. What the Broncos need to do goes differently. Those are the kind of mistakes they simply cannot make. You're not look. No team is good enough to make those mistakes. But when you're a team that wins on the margins, like the Denver Broncos, you have to be smarter than that. And 
I don't care if you're a Broncos fan, you looked at it and said, oh, well, those two guys were shoving. You shouldn't have called anything. The league protects its quarterbacks. And if you don't know that, I don't know what you're thinking and, about football. And even if it didn't, I thought Singleton was the, it was, the aggressor. Look, it was after the play, after the whiz. Of course, it's going to get called. It was the most obvious thing that you could imagine, and it happened anyway, and that one stings a lot. So I the promise Broncos, you Singleton did not know the rule. Six and six for the Broncos now. While they're not eliminated, Sandy illuminated it earlier. Four of the next five games they have to win, and it better be all the ones in the AFC. That's where they've put themselves. Of course, you know, winning doesn't guarantee you anything. Ask Florida State. We'll talk to the look at the college football playoff and uh, tell you what 13-0 and 0 is worth. Um, not as much as you might think, as it turns out. We'll talk about it next on Miley Sports. This is Sandy Clough and Chandro Tar on Mile High Sports. The college football playoff is set. It uh, comes with a, a new caveat. Florida State is the first unbeaten Power Five conference champion to not make the four-team playoff. And interestingly, they started the weekend at number four. Won the ACC title game over number 14, Louisville, and don't make it in. Now, that's obviously a big story. The the top teams, of course, Michigan, number one, after Alabama bumped Georgia. That's, of course, the other part of this equation. Washington knocks off uh, Oregon. They jump to number two. Texas goes to three, and then Bama, by virtue of that win, they're the SEC champs. They go to four. So, uh, Danny Bailey and I were talking about this earlier. Danny's absolutely right. The four teams that are in there are all conference champions. Yes. We're just sort of accustomed to having... I was going to ask, how many... You get four. Power conferences are there? There's four spots. Okay. What what, what are you supposed to do if you're the committee? And I'm not... You know, committees uh, make mistakes all the time. But I'm sorry. We're we're almost... Again, the knee-jerk reaction, this kind of gotcha mentality, where five is supposed to fit into four somehow. And I, you know, I don't know what you do. Do you send half of uh, one team and half of another team and make it a full team, have them play together so they're both represented? You can't. And I, the ACC is clearly, year in and year out, the weakest of the Power Five conferences. And Florida not only lost its starter, they lost their backup, and I understand he would have played and will play in the bowl game. And, you know, if, if I'm Florida State... I'm angry. Uh, I'm are. outraged. And especially if I'm a coach or a player, especially, I'm upset. And I, I, I it broke my heart to see the quarterback who got hurt, uh, Travis, on mm-hmm. social media, you know, taking the blame for it like it was his fault he got hurt. I mean, that that that's heartbreaking. And I, I feel for the players and, and, and even the coaches. But the school presidents, you know, and athletic director, they have to shut up. They have to shut up and explain, because opinion is divided on this, who would you have thrown out? Well, And half would say Texas and half would say Alabama. On ESPN, the selection show at the time, Joey Galloway had an opportunity to talk, and you'll hear a little bit of Booger McFarland in there as well, on the quote-unquote snub of Florida State. I feel awful for Florida State and Jordan Travis. Because if he was still playing, this would be a different conversation. Everything you speak of was accomplished with Jordan Travis as their quarterback. They won the last and two games we, without him. Yes, and, and that's when we saw this team with Tate Rodemaker, 
And Brock with Glenn. Brock Glenn. Yes. 55 yards passing last night, it wasn't pretty. Here's the thing, Book, and, and honestly, I hear everything you're saying. If our goal is to have the four best teams, there's nothing to do with what you deserve. There's nowhere in the bylaws that say you have to be undefeated. There's nowhere in the bylaws that say if you're in a Power Five conference, you're the champion undefeated, you get in. Mm -hmm. I feel terrible, but when we look at this Florida State team and what they are today, what they were mm -hmm. last night, what Alabama, who lost to Texas, who was the third team in this thing, yeah. what they were then and what they are now, this Alabama team is different, and you know this. And this Florida State team is different, and you know this. They lost their quarterback. It's not a receiver. If Worthy doesn't play for Texas, they're still a really good football mm -hmm. team. When you lose your quarterback, that is different than any other position in any other sport on earth. That was the best argument I heard uh, in defense of the committee. Uh, you know, it, it and – you know what? People say, well, it won't happen next year because they'll have 12 teams. Sure it will. Someone sure will, will be left out. The 13th yeah. team will say we got screwed. That's what happens. And it, it, that's all. Now, you won't have an undefeated team from a Power 5 conference the failing misses. to make the right. field of 12 next year. But this year you had an unusual situation. And if you watched, and I couldn't stand to watch it for more than five minutes, Florida State and Louisville, I'm sorry. They, they were both awful. Florida State was good defensively, but Louisville, Louisville was like uh, Iowa is on offense at this point in the year. I don't understand it, but they are. And it, Florida State struggled with Florida the previous week and couldn't do anything with them either. And that was with the backup plane. Not the third stringer. That was with the backup plane. You can't have uh, – they were embarrassed last year. Maybe they shouldn't have been by the championship game between Georgia and TCU being such a mismatch. And what was it, 59 to nothing? Mm -hmm. They don't want that again. Right. And you know what? Michigan had beaten Florida State 59 to nothing. Well, th there's a fix for this, and I think it was a couple because you look at the finalists, and as I said before, you know, much like the MVP in the NFL, the Heisman's become a quarterback award. Uh, Bo Nix, Michael Penix, Jaden Daniels of LSU, Caleb Williams. Jaden Daniels. Uh, Caleb Williams partner. won't uh, play in the Holiday Bowl, by the way. And Jordan Travis. Uh, well, Jordan Travis should apparently win the Heisman because if he was in there and they, they were still ranked four, by all the arguments, they'd be in this tournament. They'd be in the playoff. But the fact that they, that he's out, they decided that was rationale well, to bump them. Then I guess Jordan you know, Travis you know is the most happened? important player in college you know football, and he should win the Heisman. Texas got a break. The Big 12 was really weak this year. And you know what? Oklahoma was part of that weakness because Kansas beat Oklahoma. Now, Kansas is much improved, but Kansas is not a, even a ranked team, I don't believe, at this point. Not even ranked in the top 25, and they beat Oklahoma. Oklahoma beat Texas. And so, listen, to me, just me, it's a matter of opinion. Georgia had at least as strong an argument for being excluded and being unfair as Florida State did. I mean, they won 29 games in a row. And they lost to, right now, the best team in college football, which is Alabama. Yes. That's the most talented team, the best coach, and they doing very his well best whole thing work. Again. Yep. Nick Saban has never had a better coaching year than he had this year, to the point where Peter King, an NFL writer who gives out 
coaching and playing awards every week in his Monday morning quarterback column. He said, far and away, the coach of the week is Nick Saban. It's coach of the week, coach of the year. In all of football, in all the world, you know, want to throw soccer in along with American football? Nick Saban did the best coaching job in the world this year. He said the right things. He had the right psychological approach to this team. He did uh, some of what Belichick has done for one game earlier this year down against South Florida. Yeah. And he benched his starting quarterback. But he had a reason for that because the two guys who replaced him were so bad that he had to go back to Milrow. And I think that was something that he did deliberately to bring the team together. And it did behind Milrow, who of course played better, but it demonstrated the rest of the team who their quarterback should be. And the defense got better as the year went on. And I know nobody pays any attention to this, but Alabama has great special teams too. I think they have the best special teams in the country. Uh, according to uh, the rankings and the metrics, their special teams are number two behind Miami of Ohio. Not Miami of Florida, which is also very good on special teams, but Miami of Ohio. The only team that metrics say is better on special teams than Alabama. And the last time I looked, special teams do still matter, especially in a three-point game against Georgia, in which Alabama's special teams were superior uh, to Georgia. I think Georgia has as good an argument as Florida State. But to me, I, I'm sorry, you're a conference champion. You belong. And it's too bad that you had five conference champions this year who weren't in there as a matter of happenstance. You know, it would have been like Iowa beating Michigan. Would Iowa have been in the top four? Of course not. Right. But they would have been the conference champion of the Big Ten. And you say, well, that was never going to happen. Uh, well, okay. Uh, but funny things happen in sports. We see them all the time. This year, it, it was the perfect storm to create a scenario that you'll never see again now with Thank an goodness. undefeated team from a Power 5 conference being excluded. And it's too bad. But I'm sorry. Joey Galloway said it exactly right. There's nothing in there that says you can't be in the final four with a loss if there's another undefeated team. Let's say, oh, Air Force's quarterback doesn't get hurt and Air Force goes 12-0. and 0. They're undefeated. They weren't They're be. champions of the Mountain West. They wouldn't have been no. it ranked in the top 15. No. So I, I, I don't – it's, it's not the players and the coaches complaining. They have a right. It's an athletic director and a president – who's part of the NCAA. The NCAA is made up of presidents of schools. And this chump down at Florida State, who doesn't know a football from a beach ball, is saying, no, he's not. He's just popping off. And he doesn't know what he's talking about. Somebody ought to ask him, okay, football expert, who do you throw out? Well, 
That problem solves Which itself. Which conference champion do you throw out? And don't tell me the ACC went 6-4 and four against the SEC. Right. How many games did Georgia lose to the ACC? That would be zero. How many games did Alabama lose to the ACC? That would be zero. Well, that, that ACC beat up on Vanderbilt. No power okay? five anymore. Nobody cares. There's only four big conferences. The Pac-12 is dead and gone, so that'll also solve itself. But the uh, the college football playoff is set. Alabama will take on Michigan, Texas, uh, Washington. Those will happen on January first, uh, and then the title games on the ninth for the uh, Heisman. No, unfortunately, Jordan Travis is not a finalist. Uh, the odds right now, as you put, Jaden Daniels, overwhelming favorite, minus 1,400, uh, Penix at plus and, 900. And the team he plays on is mediocre. Bo Nix at plus 2,200. And Best Marvin Harrison Jr. Again, as I said, it's a quarterback award. Marvin well, Harrison is plus but he's still 20, the best player in the country. Thousand. <laughs> to go you know what? And, and I draft him over uh, May of North Carolina if I'm an NFL team. And I might draft Ooh. him ahead of Caleb Williams. Ooh, a wide receiver. Wow. All He's right. not a wide receiver. He's a quarterback at LSU. He's the, the best Jane player. Oh, Jaden Daniels. I was talking yes. about Marvin Harrison Jr. No, no, no. Yeah. No. No. And Marvin Harrison will go in the top five. Yeah. He'll go again. He's the only he, I draft him ahead of some of these quarterbacks, too. I, I mean, that's – listen uh, – you know, I think Shadur Sanders is great, but I, he's he's not in the same class with Daniels. He's no, not. Not at this point. Well, we'll find out maybe next year a little bit too. But remember, you can refer a friend and earn a $50 bonus this season with Superbook Sports. Superbook is the most trusted name in sports wagering, and you don't want to miss their refer a friend bonus. It's easy. All you do is click on the refer a friend link under your profile on the Superbook app, share that promo code with your friends, and you get $50 bonus for Everyone who registers using that code. So win money wagering and win money referring this season with Superbook Sports. Visit Superbook.com for terms and conditions. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. All of this stuff, uh, all of football, is probably uh, under the preview of our next guest, Justin Adams of CBS News Colorado, joins us next on My Life Sports. <laughs> 